Hey guys, welcome to the Kevin and Fred show. My name is Kevin Kaufman. I'm your host. And I just want to say thank you for taking some time out to listen with us this week. Do me a favor. If you don't mind, before we get to today's guest, head on over to ratethispodcast.com. That is ratethispodcast.com forward slash NLA. That stands for next level agents. Ratethispodcast.com forward slash NLA and leave us a review or just go to any podcast player that you prefer and uh, look us up, The Kevin and Fred Show, and please leave us a review. That is the best way to support our efforts here in the show. All right, let's get to today's episode. All right, guys, we're back on The Kevin and Fred Show. And uh, today I'm rejoined by two previous guests uh, and uh, local real estate, Phoenix area real estate agents and friends, uh, Dave Zajinski and uh, Chris Bowers. What's going on, dude? Dudes, I should say. What's up, man? Thanks for having us on. What is happening? I'm glad to be back. Me too, man. Um, well, I was just saying, Dave, like I was, I was just telling Dave off offline before we hit record, Chris and I and a couple other people went to lunch recently. We we're having this conversation that got fairly in-depth around market changes and kind of skill sets and just all sorts of cha- impending changes that are going to either are going to be going on are already currently going on and people don't realize are starting to go on already in our marketplace as real estate professionals. And you two are two guys I always look to because you're so good at what you do. Um, and so I thought, you know, let's sort of kind of recreate that conversation. But I think this ultimately, this could turn out to be um, maybe a series or a few different podcast episodes over the next couple of months as things start to develop and change. And so I just wanted to kind of start with that. Let's do this before we kind of dive into some of that heavier stuff. Give give the listener both Chris. Let's go Chris first, then Dave. Name, what's your business like? Give the thirty second elevator speech to the listener that maybe didn't hear your episode before or forgot how awesome you are. So I'm Chris Bowers, and when you said, "Hey, let's kind of recreate that uh, conversation on a podcast," I thought, "Man, I went intense again, didn't I?" <laughs> I always leave that stuff and I'm like, man, I just go hardcore quick. So um, anyways, I'm Chris Bowers, Arizona realtor. Uh, Been doing this business for about 17 years now. Uh, Last year closed, I think 147 transactions. Uh, This year on pace to do more than that. And um, that's where we're at, man. Awesome. Dave Z? Dave Z. Same market here, obviously in Scottsdale. And this, I'm in my 18th year. And only about 14 years in resale. So I had four years on new homes, but uh, I think the team were about 1,300 home sales total, um, pacing for about 200 home sales this year. So we're, we're kind of right there. Same, Chris and I were like neck and neck. Awesome. Well, <laughs> let's do this. I'm gonna I'm gonna set up maybe a little bit of context um, for for the listeners. So we're we're recording this. It's May 23rd. Uh, it'll be a couple of weeks. I don't know if it's two weeks or four weeks, but this will be out sooner rather than later. But just for context, we're recording this May 23rd. This will be good to look back on in the future. And I'm looking at the Cromford Report. For those of you who outside of Phoenix that don't know what the Cromford Report is, it's it's effectively the best, I'll just say it's the best data that we have available to us as professionals in the Phoenix area. And uh, it's what most people who really care about the numbers really dive into. And I'm going to just share a few things. So as of um, as of yesterday, in the Phoenix market, there are um, 8,969 active homes on the market without a contract. Qualify that. They're on the market. They're not, they're not UCB. They're not you know, accepting backups. Like They are actually active and available. For perspective, a month ago, 
that number was 5,986. So basically 3,000 less. To go back to last quarter or February, so three months ago, we're looking at active listings of 4,703. So from a per, so perspective, now I'm going to go back two years. That number was almost 13,000. So I want to give be able to give the perspective of, okay, here we are. If you just go back three months, we have got darn near double the active inventory in our market today. And that can feel scary in a 90-day period. So the reason I share that for context, what it was like two years ago, because even two years ago, if we go back to that basically 13,000 active listings, that was already a super seller's market for us. So I just want to give some context because I think, Chris, we talked about this last week. I, th I think for us, like in Phoenix, if we're talking about a truly balanced, not a buyer, not a seller market, we're probably looking at more like what, 20, 25,000 active listings is what we need because of the sheer number of transactions in our market. So I give that and I give those numbers. Whoever wants to go first, Chris or Dave, like first thoughts, what's your reaction when I say that just from a purely I'm a realtor tactical, what are you thinking when I share those numbers with you? I just think of, you know, shifting markets and how like the perspective of, you know, like right now I looked up before we got on, there's 9,663 active and coming soon. That's how I looked at it. And, but yet if we go back several years ago, you know, that number would still seem so light, but yet it's so much more now compared to what we're used to over the last year. So I think it's even interesting how we can get so granular in the numbers, but really nothing matters outside of just shifting markets the numbers really don't matter too much of what it was two years ago. It's, it's coming out of something different. And we've had these conversations with clients for so long. Um, and now I just think it's starting to shift. And so that's just something important to note. And how I explain it to people is, you know, over the years or the last year or so, or maybe two, all the contingencies went out of our contract that were for buyers. It was like lowering the inspection period, waiving the appraisal. And it kind of went in order. It went through these processes of, you know, it was like the first, the first thing was, Hey, we're going to lower the inspection. Then it was, we're going to go over list price and it kept going and going. And now I just see, you know, when I'm having conversations with agents now, they think everything's so dramatic. And I'm like, no, it's just, as that goes up from 9,000 to 10,000, 11,000, it's just going to enter some of those things probably back into the mix. We're going to go back into probably 10 day inspection periods possibly, and maybe not having to waive the appraisal. And so, I mean, for example, we just wrote an offer few days ago. And it was the first time I feel like in two years where we went 9,000 under and didn't waive the appraisal. And it's in like North Peoria, nice neighborhood house was on the market for 13 days. And that felt really satisfying just to be like, Whoa, like we're going to do this to you guys. We're going in low. We ain't waving nothing. And we won. So I just think it's just a shifting market and nothing scary about it, except for just knowing that it's shifting and that your conversations can't just be going into a listing anymore. Just like, Hey, we're overpricing this. We're going to get it. And it's guaranteed. So Dave, what about you, dude? When you hear those numbers, you think about those numbers, what's, what's the first thought that comes to your mind? Yeah, for me, it is, it's not like in physics, it's not really the speed that can be dangerous. It's the, the, the change of speed. So if you're going 60 miles per hour in an accident, but you, you kind of bumper into them and you slide along, it's different than hitting a brick wall and you go 60 to zero. So the speed is different. And I think we feel that, right? Like we, we knew we needed to get to a balanced market. And the only way to do that was with inventory, but it, the velocity is it's, it's breakneck. 
right? When you yeah. put those numbers. So it's a good thing. Like we want balance, but if we get there too soon, there is room for caution. It, it, like looking, looking at that, uh, looking at our listing success rate is we were showing signs of 05 in the listing success rate at the, at the speed at which that's coming down. So it didn't take long. So anytime I've shown people, cause I'm a big Cromford report guy, anytime I show people supply and demand in the last 20 years, go back and look in 05, it, it happened really fast, didn't it? Like six, seven months. It went from. It was May of great, 05. Yeah. It was it, May of 05 that, 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 it, that, it, that it flipped. Had it, nobody knew yeah. about it for like a year. Yeah, that's the problem is you don't realize it till later. I so I guess guys, the reason I want to start off there is because I think there's still a lot of agents who we we know them and love them who are like they still think like they would believe the story, not the not the facts is how I would say it, right? Sure. So yeah. they still think multiple offers, blah blah blah. You know, they they think the market is what it was three months ago. Uh, and my point of that is to not to say that you know I guess what I'm trying to do is paint both sides here. Like I want to just show like. Hey, there's, there's nothing there's, a, and then there's other people who are like, Oh, look at the velocity of change. Like Dave just mentioned, Oh, five, like, like a total uh, downer, like Debbie downer. <laughs> and so, but cause there's that, there's that contingent of people who think, Oh, we're in a bubble and it's just going to pop and pop, you know, everything's going to be, you know, down again. And what I want to do is bring a level of number one, um, just like level-headed thinking to it, actually talking about the facts, not the story. And then what I really want to dive into here with you guys is the skills and strategies on how to survive. Because what we do know, whether something's going up dramatically or going down dramatically, there's a shift in skills and activities that are required, mm -hmm. right? It's going to be different uh, very soon to uh, what's going to be required of you to you know, have a paycheck than what was required three months ago. Yeah, I think, I think the most, oh, go Dave. Well, I was going to say, let me, let me preface that. I'm not saying that the market is is falling like 05, but I am saying sure, there's some right velocity now. there. So I want to see where we're at in two more months. I two months, I think we're going to know a lot. But as of right now, we're still, we're, we went from an insanely scalding hot seller's market to just a, a hot scalding seller's market. Like we just dropped one of the superlatives. Like we're not totally crashed, right? You know what I mean? Totally agree. Uh, and I'm uh, the same way. I'm like, I've I've been saying now for probably a couple of weeks, like, really want to see the next 60 days before I think I have an opinion. Chris, totally. and, and that's where we're in that, uh, we're in that zone where the conversation starting to change. And I think that's the weirdest era to be in. Meaning like if we go six months down the road and it's totally changed, then we're going into those consultations, like straight out the gate. We're like, we have the game plan down what we need to do. We're just in the zone now where I think we've got to be cautious now when we sit down with a seller and you can't just pull off that whole we're going to list it for way over and we're going to get more than that. Like, I think you're going to have to show up now with actually some skill. It would probably be important again to brush off like absorption rate, checking some facts before you sit down with the cell. I mean, we, you as a listing agent could get very lazy over the last two years of just like walking into the house and just letting the world fall into place. And you look like a superstar. And I think now it's going to be a little bit more competitive, even for the agents that, um, I just think if you're going to have to compete for a listing again, like you're actually going to have to brush off your skills, know the absorption rate, all the data. And it's not just going to be walk in their house, walk out with a, a listing, but the conversation's changing. And that's the hardest zone to be in because you can sound like someone who's sounding an alarm. And I feel like that I'm on our team. Like I, they're always like, Chris, you're the guy who's always sounding the alarm. And I'm like, 
because I look at things more three, six, a year down the road and I try to project things. And that's what my job is as a leader. And so I can sometimes look like the Debbie Downer, but I'm just saying like, Hey, I just want to know the data and it's not whether it's bad or good. It's just, here's the data it's switching. And I think we just need to be cautious now as we're going into listing appointments that you need to show up with some facts. Yeah. Dave, get yes. anything to you add yeah. to that? Well, no, that that's where we're at. That's what that's what we're preaching. I'm I've got us in a six week listing boot camp, you know, for my team, and we're just uh, getting back into the listing basics and like the absorption report. I helped I helped a buddy over the weekend um, understand what that looks like, and you know how to go back to a seller and say, hey, you're you're actually in a buyer's market, like 50-50. And what seller today thinks they're in a buyer's market? Nope. None. But nope. when you can show the absorption rate and go, listen, there's only 14 of your product that sell, you know, or I think it was nine, nine of your products sell every 30 days and there's 42 active and in escrow. So let's just do the math and show them like, so like our listing will show them you have a 61% chance of selling your home. So in the event you're in that 39% range, what's your plan B? Are you just going to keep your home? Are you going to rent it? Like what seller is ready to hear that today, let alone in a couple of months, you know? So having, like Chris said, having that data where you can just come in and that's how I like to present. It's like, you have a 74% chance of selling your home. This is just pure math. And let's just, do you want to be part of that 74 or are you okay being part of that 26? And, and that is where we'll make a lot of money in this market knowing how to present like that. Yeah, because I, I think what, um, obviously what, what's happened, especially for the last couple of years is, well, I, I know how to, you know, put a sign in the yard, put it in the MLS and pray, right? Because that, like, that was literally all that was required. You didn't even have to have good pictures and you'd have multiple offers and all this stuff. And uh, like the conversation Chris and, and I and, and the other two guys had on at lunch last week was, what we were talking about was like, you're actually going to have to start calling your sellers, your, your seller clients on like Mondays, not to go over all of the offers you have, but to discuss the data and feedback that you have as to why their home did not sell in the last 72 hours. And that yeah. is a, that's a different conversation and a skill set that I think um, a lot of people forgot. And then some people like our, one of our buddies, who's a super talented realtor, only been in the business for two and a half years, literally is, has literally never. never had to deal with that conversation. And I think that those are the types of, of things like when you can do that, you're prepared for that. That's going to help set you apart. Oh yeah. And let me throw something in on that. I am only doing videos for that. I don't do live phone calls. And I took that from one of our partners out in San Diego. You know, we got two guys out there that sell a lot of homes and I took that from him, from Kyle Whistle. It was amazing. Like just record, like get all your data, record it and send it to him. Be like, just let me know your thoughts when it's done. Like I had to do that. Remember when we had that slight dip in like October of 18, the interest rate shot up, right? And like foot traffic screeched to a halt. Like everybody stopped going to show houses. And I had some listings there that were a little overpriced and they got super nervous and it was the first time I did that. So it was about four or five years ago. And it was great. I mean, I filmed it. I knew it was going to be a punch to a stomach. You just know, like, you're not ready to take that phone call usually. Um, like, hey, let's drop your price 40 grand or whatever it is. And I've, I'd already dealt with them before on something I knew it was going to go like. And 
all I got was a text message that said, hey, watch your video. Go ahead and tell your office to drop the price by 30000 I was like, well, that was awesome. So that's what I'm going to do in this market, just FYI. So let me ask you a question. And then, Chris, I want to ask you the same, uh, you know, effectively the same thought. But is it, so, Dave, like, are you just sending a video or, or is this part of your upfront consultation now? Like, the- No, this would be... This would be in the listing instead of calling you on Monday and be like, Kevin, man, we got to drop your price by 30. I'm going to go ahead. And then it keeps, I'm a talker. Is so that if the I can, time you talk about my question though, Dave is like, is that the first time oh. you're going to talk about it with them? Or are you going to, or are you having different conversations in the listing appointment to tell them that you guys might need to have that conversation down? Yeah. Know? Yeah. So we set some parameters, right. As far as um, when we list it, if it's at the price we all agree upon, then I just have certain metrics that I'd leave them like, you know, if after 10 showings, we don't have an offer, we need to revisit price. If by the eighth day, we don't have an offer, we need to revisit price. If by the 15th day, so I set some of those measures in place uh, for when these things happen, we know we got to have a conversation about it. Okay. And then instead of having the conversation, I'm just going to pull up the data, boom, 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 here it all it is. Once you process it without getting mad at me, without like emotion setting in, and then when you calm down and the logics take over, then respond. You know, as opposed to like, well, what are you doing, you know, differently? How could you market better, right? Like, yeah. like think of having 40 listings in a, in a down market and, and everyone's, and it's a 20% success rate, like back in the day. And it's like, when are you going to do my open houses? When are you do this? Like, so I want to minimize those conversations, but still give a nice personal touch. And I think as long as it's video-based, people can relate to it and empathize to it with it. And, you know, they can see my care for them and my face as I shoot it, Right but it's going to limit my time. And I think limit the pushback we get. Chris, what about you? How, how are you handling this situation? Well, I'm handling it by, I told my assistant a few weeks ago, get ready for some Monday weekly updates, seller updates. So she kind of jokes when we get on our, we get on a call every morning, talk about our transactions and every Monday it's kind of comical. She's like, should we do the seller updates this week? And I'm like, haha, you know, and I'm like, I, but I'm telling her like, we're going to get back there and we actually are now. So mine's just an email that goes out every single Monday and I'm going to actually do video now, Dave, that you said that I think they'll hear me. They'll hear the context of the conversation. And they'll see my heart in it. So I'm going to implement that. But the basics of the update every week was just basically, and this is funny to even say now, like how many showings you had this week, the feedback we got from them. Like, yeah, like my assistant used to have to like email and follow up with the agents and ask like, did you like the color of one of these rooms or not? Um, or did you like that it faced North or South or no? <laughs> Um, so we give them the feedback, how many showings this week, how many showings total, where we started off the price, where we're at price now, all the feedback. And then it says Chris Bauer's recommendations at the bottom. So my assistant would fill out all the other, like all the data above. And then the recommendations, they would come to, the email would come to me. I would look at their neighborhood every week and see, hey, here's the new listings that hit the market. Here's what went under contract that was similar to ours that we, you know, we didn't get an offer accepted. I'm trying to give them data. It's kind of the opposite of, with buyers, when they would come into my office and tell me they were qualified for X amount and I just knew they couldn't buy a house, I sometimes would tell them. And my wife would be in the other office and she would tell me, hey, if you just show them the data, like just pull up on the big screen of portal and let the, let, let the zero speak for itself instead of you saying like they don't qualify for a house right now. It's kind of on the flip side with that. So you're trying to give them enough data for them to just make their own decisions. And that's how I've always led my conversations with people is, I'm not giving you an opinion. I'm just the one that's willing to like research the data and give it to you. And um, I think we're also going to go into maybe, but Russell Shaw, when I used to go to his classes, would always say, you know, I'll take an overpriced listing as long as I know they need to go somewhere. 
Yeah. And I, and I really, and I mean, I've taken overpriced listings before based on somebody telling me like, Hey, my job's relocating and I got to be there in two months. And I'm like, cool. If you want to challenge the market by 50 G's right now, I'm probably still going to be the realtor to participate with you. As long as we have clear expectations of this is my opinion. And this is your opinion. And you've got somewhere to go. That's a need here soon that you're willing to work this through with a plan. And I remember Russell Shaw always saying like, Hey, as long as they have a need or a huge motivation to move, I'll let them list it wherever they want. As long as they're respectful to my office when they have to give them updates. I think that's the cool part that he would say, as long as they're respectful, they're not demanding that you need to be advertising on the cover of homes and land and doing all this other stuff that does not work, then okay. we're willing to participate with that. But I don't like to, I say this lightly, but I let people go at their own terms. I always think like if I wasn't a realtor and I always put myself as the consumer. And if I was a, wasn't a realtor and someone sat down at my house today and I was like, Hey, my, my, my neighbor got 60 over my other neighbor got 150 over. I'd probably be the same guy that was like, Hey, cool data. You gave me realtor, but I kind of want to experiment with this myself. And I'd probably be the dude that overpriced his house and came down in 15,000 increments, unless someone gave me better data than I saw. But I don't know. I try to put myself in the seller's shoes and think, how would I want to be treated? So I let them know, like, hey, this is my opinion. This is your opinion. Let's work this through and put a game plan together. You know, it's funny. I was just listening, re-listening to a talk um, that uh, a gentleman gave. And one of the themes he was given, it was specifically like on sales, which was instead of like selling the features and benefits, it was like really drilling down on the nose and the stuff they don't want. So like, makes me think of like, Okay, uh, Russell's example, and I always I got that from Russell from Russ as well, you know, which is cool. So what would happen if this doesn't sell, you know, in 30 days or 60 days and really backing them when I say backing them in, I mean, helping them self discover by letting them use their own words to describe really the bad things that could happen if they follow their own advice and not yours, right? Or mm -hmm. if things don't go the way they think they'll go because, you know, Bob and Sally down the street sold their house for XYZ and, and Susie sold her street, you know, her house, you know, it, it actually really allowing them to own the, the, the negative side of it, as opposed to selling the benefits of, Hey, well, if we listed here $50,000 less and I'm gonna have it sold by Tuesday, you don't have to worry about it. You can move like that's selling the benefit as opposed to like, let's go, let's go rub some salt in the wound. So that way they know what that's going to feel like when they get there. Um, and, and that they have, that way they have to own their decision. Yeah. Yes. I like that. I, I think, I think at the end of the day, what I'm really hearing though, is like, Hey, there's, there's a different skill set needed, uh, in this market. And, you know, you know, probably coming up here very shortly too, my guess is as we get further into this year, um, it's going to be a different skill set needed. It's not going to be good enough to just generate the lead anymore and get, be the first one to get to the kitchen table. There's going to be something else needed. What do, what do you guys think about that? Well, that just, I mean, for a while there, it didn't really take much skill. I think when you're in such low inventory, I mean, I really think and challenge me on this because I'm willing to accept it, but I think you could have priced the house for anything, $0. And the market was just going to go to where it needed to go. Like I tell my clients, like we can't under, like we literally can't underprice this. You put it on the market and the price will determine the price. So I, as your realtor, I'm going to be very good at just leveraging all these offers against each other and ultimately getting you the most out of it. Um, and I think now we've got to go in with, with, and with data and charisma. Like I always say, like you still, you can't just go in with data. I don't think now that might work for some, but I still think you've got to have that presentation that 
you know, get certain personalities across the finish line. But I think you've got to have data with people and charisma. And if you match those two together and can tell a story there and explain everything to them clearly, they'll, they'll get it. Uh, but we're just not, you're just not going to walk into a house anymore and just walk out in five minutes. <laughs> Cause I can sell it in 73 hours or something <laughs> like that. And isn't that, that a good thing though? Isn't this good? I'm so I'm so stoked on it, man. Like I, I know with our, our lunch conversation that we had, like I walked out of that and I'm in my Lexus driving back to my office down the freeway. as like, we're going to war. I just look at this stuff. Like, this is so cool that when the markets change, you eliminate so many realtors that just don't know how to have that conversation. And I'm down for it. Like you got most agents that only want to take buyers because they don't know how to have a consultation with people and talk about charging a fee. And I'm like, that sounds fun to me. Um, and I think now you're going to have more and more realtors that are going to start, you know, they're going to shy away from a listing here and there. Cause they're like, ah, I don't like that uncomfortable conversation. I'm like, it's not uncomfortable to me. It's just, it's news. There's not bad news. There's not good news. I deliver news. We process your goals with that news. And we decide if we're proceeding or not. I don't need you to buy or sell a house. If you are needing to buy or sell a house, I would love to be a realtor. Yeah. Dave, what, do you, what are your thoughts, dude? So I think skill sets that we need are, I have come to the conclusion in the last 12 months that this, I'm looking for leaders when I look at leader, when I look at real estate growing my real estate team or any of my affiliates, I, I, I see leaders as who's really, that's the key trait. Okay. Like I, I when someone's going to list their home or go buy, don't you think there's part of these people say, do I want this person leading me in this transaction? Or are they just here to open the door? And I think we got into this, just opening the door, your warm body and the markets in a frenzy. So can you help us put an offer in? But really when times get a little bit harder, but even when they were good, I think those of us that convert at a higher rate are just better leaders. People are like, I'm going to put my fate in your hands. And so I, I'm really about mastery right now. Like I want mastery at the levels inside of my organization. Um, and let's just be professional and be very good. And let's, let's be charismatic, like Chris said, with data, like be a professional and lead. And then it's going to be really good questions. The power of really good questions is going to be so important. How like, you know, the, you brought in Phil Jones, right, Kevin, and like that book, I've read his last two books and it, it, it works really well, but I think we're all pretty good question, you know, people, we, we ask pretty good questions. So if we could teach our people, teach our realtors to ask really, really good questions, we'll be able to get through this. And even if the market does shift in a way that maybe we're not anticipating. One thing I know that our buddy Leo talked to us about down in Cancun earlier this year, Leo from Remind, right? What's this like, you know, uh, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, so Leo's my buddy. And uh, uh, by the time this thing, by the time this is aired, uh, I'm just going to get, just keep going. I'll fill you in. Okay. All right. All right. Well, this is one thing he told the group of us that were down there and it, it really resonated. It's like, listen, this is why real estate happens, why it will always happen and why you'll always have a job and a career because, because of this reason, human beings, they fall in love. They move in together. They have little baby human beings. And then those babies grow up, they move out. There's death, divorce along the way. And guess what? The price is the price and the interest rate is the interest rate when those things happen. And having, you know, the three of us been in this as long as we have, 
right? How many thousands of home sales, they all needed to do it for some reason. It wasn't like, oh, like I'm going to get the best price ever, or, oh, I'm going to buy the, I'm going to get it for the best terms ever. Like, I think we all got really good at knowing what was going on in their, in their life that made it so important that they move. And that's where the conversation needs to center around. Let me guys, let me ask you guys this. So I want you to talk to the listener, like they're an agent on your team, somewhat experienced, just not first transaction. Okay. Enough to where like they're going, they already either are going on listing appointments or they're about to. And you're just having a general conversation about, Hey, here's the things I really want you to pay attention to over this next, I'm going to call it 90 days to 180. What are those couple of things that you're asking those agents around you that are trusting you to lead them to really dig into? Like, I know you talked about absorption rates. We, I don't know if we can teach charisma in 90 days, but we, we've talked about a few different things, right? Um, what are the, what are those key things you're saying to someone who is dependent upon you to lead them as it pertains to skill set for, for kind of getting through the next 90 days and, and into what we think the next couple of years could look like? Yeah, but I'm just going to come back to questions. I'm always someone who asks a ton of questions. I say the questions change as the market change. The process when I'm in their home never does. Like walking into their house and just the cadence of it is, you know, obviously we're going to look around the house first just to kind of build some rapport, right? Like that's the same. And then getting around, sitting at the kitchen table, that's the same. Now diving into those questions, um, like I would tell my agents, like always ask really good questions. For example, and I, I teach my agents on the team this, and they're always kind of perplexed by it, but I'm saying if you can kind of, if you can ask questions to solve a problem that's going to be out there, you can do it right then. For example, um, hey, what's your loan payoff? Like, that's just a question I ask, you know, like, hey, if you're going to be buying another house, um, how much of the equity are you going to take from this to go to your next house, right? What's your mortgage right now? Like, I'm asking all this stuff to get data so that I can quickly process this. And I'm thinking like, okay, this house is worth 560. You just said your loan payoff is 250. You know, you said this is what your mortgage is. You said this is where you want to go. I think that agents, if they could really figure out like, what are you, like, what's the data that you need to go back to your office and figure out and try to figure out how to start doing those quick math equations while you're there. And not saying that you'll have all the numbers, but that really helps out. And I think that a lot of agents probably sit down at a, at a, at a kitchen table and they don't ask what the loan payoff is. And they're not asking like, what is your current mortgage payment? What's your interest rate? Because I'm finding like, even to flip this to the buyer's side is, you know, I don't think anybody cares whether they pay I don't think anyone cares what they pay for a house. They care that they have a certain payment. So like, I'm like, Hey, my house could be $9 million right now, but give me a $400 payment and I'll sign up for it. Yep. And so I think that leads the conversation over to buyers, which we'll probably get to sooner than later, but asking very detailed questions while you're there and, and really listening to them and figure out how to process them quickly and try to solve them while you're at your kitchen table. Cause you have the, you have the best opportunity to convert when you're in that 30 or 45 minute conversation with them because they can see you and they can feel it. And so that's why when I say like having charisma, I think it's actually a, a just as much, it's just as important as the data, because I think how you present things to people is how you'll actually convert them and win. What about you, Dave? What are you, what are you talking to your agents about? Yeah, it's, it's going to be questions and expectations. You know, I think those are the expectations are what gets mismanaged. I think the most that breaches relationships, whether it's internally or with our clients. And so learning how to ask really good questions around expectations, I think is, is extremely necessary right now. Like, um, you know, that book, 
exactly what to say. There's so many good things in there that we can be taken away. And I, I think I texted you that I, I, right after that book or when Phil spoke to us, I went on a listing appointment like the next day. And I just totally, for the, I did like my first listing presentation, like brand new. I was like a brand new agent is how I felt, right? Because you have your normal yeah. one that's like, you, you know, Bruce Lee's like, you know, I don't fear the guy that does a thousand kicks. It's the guy that practices one kick a thousand times. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to try it. And it, it went really, really well, but I was so off my normal script. And I was like, this is how I want to do more of our, my listing. Right. But it was, it was Mr. Seller. Tell me, what is it? What do you know about commissions? You know, what do you know about the implications of overpricing your home? And I just put it in, I wanted to tell him the data, right? But he he self-discovered a lot of it. And I had some really interesting responses that I was not prepared for, right? That like, it was like, I never would have known that had I not asked those questions. Like, what do you know about commissions? That was super revealing. How many times do we ask that? So I think I want to know, right? If this is, we're talking listing specifically, I want my agents to know, can we sell it? What's the absorption rate? What's the listing success rate? And then what are their expectations? And, and then let's see, did all these questions get answered? Or do we just go in and we pitch? You know, I don't go in and pitch a listing price. So um, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to need a different skill set for sure. No doubt. No doubt about it. Uh, and I also think just, just to note something, I think also something that I do at the beginning that I would just note for people to do is I always start off my, like when I sit at the kitchen table, I just say like, when we're kind of going from looking at the house now to like, let's structure this more formally. My questions to them are like, what's the, what's the like top three things when you thought about selling your house that you wanted to know from your realtor? Um, that's one of them that I like to ask because it's almost taking notes as if like, you know, I could tell them 72 things that I know. Right. And they could, you know, and they might have a hundred questions, but I try to like, what's your top three. Cause I find if someone has 20 questions, but I just get their top three answered there. I kind of know what I'm going up against. And I think we need to structure our conversations more around them. We have a lot of data to give and conversations to have because we've been doing it so long, but we almost don't even need to bring up stuff that's not really any of their fears. And so it's like, if these are your three things that you want to know, like, let me just go directly into those. And if I feel I need to add on to anything, I'll add on to my presentation. Yeah. But I like I to figure out like what's actually their biggest concern so that I'm solving those for them. I always would, the way I would word that is like, I, I don't want to create objections for them. That's better. Like, yeah, I don't want to better. put objections, uh, potential objections in their head for them. Uh, one probably exception to that would be, so like you were mentioning, um, like getting balance and estimated value. Uh, I've always been a fan of doing that the day before the appointment on, on a pre-listing questionnaire phone call. Um, and in addition to that, the one kind of objection I would bring up would, was going to be great. And, you know, who else are you interviewing or, you know, mm -hmm. are you interviewing anybody else for the, so that way I could find out who it was. And like, I knew, I, I knew how to, so I knew how to position myself, but the point is like, I was still giving them a potential new objection that they might not have, but I'm a fan of not, you know, especially in the moment, not creating new objections. Um, because I think that's something where a lot of salespeople can shoot themselves in the foot. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. talking too much about something that they don't care about actually doesn't entertain them because uh, they don't really want to have the conversation. They just want you to sell their house. And uh, I think that what you said also about when you said, who are you interviewing? I knew about six years ago that I was the only realtor that was, you know, I get a lot of referrals. So I, six years ago, I knew like I was the only realtor they were going to call to their house. And I, I knew that. Now I'm, I knew going in that I'm the only realtor that they're going to bring to their house. 
but now that's changed because they bring more than just realtors into their house. So I'm asking clients when I get there, I kind of make a joke. I'm like, Hey, which cash company have you called? And you might say like, don't bring up the objection. And that made sense three years ago. Like, don't bring up the objection. Now I'm like, it's clear. There's no objection. I don't think I've asked one person that didn't give me an answer to that. So it helped me diffuse some things because I knew who my competition was and I knew which angle I needed to go. Because if you don't have a cash offer still type structure or a trade-in program or something like that, then you're going to find out you're losing listing appointments all the time because you didn't ask that question. Well, I was going to say, I don't think that's actually created an objection. I, no. I think that is finding out where you might be missing and the value prop that you need to deliver. Yep. That's a whole other podcast episode. Right. Um, yeah. But I, dude, I, I think you're dead on that. That is not bringing, um, that is not bringing up, up in a, a new objection. That is, that's, that's relevant in like 99% of all listing conversations in the Phoenix metro area and probably most metros. Guys, we're so we're already running pretty deep on time. I do want to shift a little bit to strategies on the buy side because so we're talking now about we've talked a lot about listings and kind of sharpening some of those skill sets. But the reality is, is this that means things are going to change on the buy side too. And we've been dealing with, you know, great, there's 19 other offers. We've also had the benefit of historically low interest rates. And well, actually, it's funny, all three of us are coached by the same person. Uh, but, but Glenn, like Glenn said to me on the phone a couple of weeks ago, and then he re- reiterated it last week. He's like, if you have not been in the business for 18 to, to 20 years, you've actually never seen, you've never seen interest rates go up act, you know, more than once. Right. We've right. seen some blips, like you mentioned 18, Dave, and there's been a few other like weeks or months where we saw a little blip up and then it, they always came right back down. So not only do we have historically high prices, uh, we've also now got rising interest rates that appear to continue to be rising. So there, there are challenges just because there's double the inventory doesn't mean there's not challenges and new things to brush up skill wise on the buy side. So Dave Z, why don't you start us off on this? Like, what are some of the, I'm going to say maybe problems and or opportunities you see in this kind of shifting market? And what are you, how are you guys combating that? We're specifically looking at the buyer side. Yeah. On the buy side. So we know we're going to need to have more conversations you know, so as I look out my window, I see like rocks in my parking lot scattered, all this gravel. I tell my agents, I'm like, the game, the game you're playing real estate is there is about $300,000 taped under all of those rocks out there. You could either go get them in, in a month or it could take you 18 months, but you just got to flip them over. And as soon as you flip it over, you're like, oh, cool, four grand, six grand. So we're going to need to go through for more people, I think. And when Meaning, when you say go through more people, sorry, I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt. Yeah, you I think your conversion rate like, can go down. So I'm gonna need to talk to more people yep. to find a qualified, ready, to yep. willing, and able buyer. Correct. Correct. Okay. So I, let's like when we looked at listings back in the day when we were all selling a lot of listings, only 21% of listings sold at the, at the worst parts of the time that we sold. So 80% of listings didn't go through. But that wasn't the case for me. I don't think that was the case for you guys, right? I only talked to sellers that had to sell and were going to sell. And if you kind of wanted to sell, I was out. Like I was not interested and that's okay. Like I'm not here to convince anything of anybody. Now I'm convicted on the market. And if you spend time with me as a buyer client, you'll be convicted, I think, to the same degree that I am. So you have to have that. You have to feel good about real estate. I feel really good about putting somebody into a home right now with today's interest rates. And I know if we, if I didn't see them for the next 20 years, they would thank me for that. 
Okay. I know that. So if you don't know that, fix that. Go figure out whatever you need to do to fix your mindset that this is the right thing to do. The alternative is not the right thing to do. So buy. So let's find as many people who need to buy and want to buy um, and then help them understand that. So I've got a, I've got somebody buying their first home right now. Um, great family. I've never met them. They're in another country. So we're on like 16 hour time differences on, on our Zoom calls. And I saw their activity started tilting towards a lot of rentals, like $3,500 a month rentals, $4,000 a month rentals, right? And I, I saw that when we were just getting started and I got to know the real pain point of why they were buying for the first time. Like we, we had a really good call. And as a father, I got to understand his kids have been bouncing and bouncing and bouncing. One of them carries a bug out bag with them because they just, they're, they're in the military and they're bouncing. And he's like, and we just had a real heart to heart talk about stability for their children. Right. So the, I, I can speak to that with, with kids and, and, there was a moment there where he was like, I don't think we're going to buy. I just were nervous. My dad told me this, like, right. Everybody's in his ear. And I'm like, so at what point does Nate stop carrying around his bug out bag? Like, when do you provide that as a father? At what point? You know, wait a couple of years, three years, five years. It, it is really the, can you like, he had a lower his price point. So that's what we're seeing, right? Like people yeah. who got pre-qualified, he had to slide down to, 850, which was not as nice as it used to be. But they're like, you know what? Our kids need that. Our kids need that stability. So I don't feel like I'm manipulating them, but I feel like I'm influencing and helping a dad in a stressful time when everybody's telling them this may not be the right time to do it. So when is the right time for Nate to put down his bug out bag? Never. You can't, you can't do that today. And that's what they talked about when we got into contract, like we, we do need to do this for our children. So that's who I want to find. And that's who I want to work with. And there's always going to be people who need to do that. And if you want to convince me it's a bad market, then don't buy. And I, I don't have time for that. Like I'll, if you're open-minded, let's talk about it. But I'm not, I don't want to hang around people that are going to try to convince me that real estate all of a sudden is a bad, bad thing to do. That is powerful, dude. Um, I did a podcast recently with Todd Duncan. Um, I don't know if you guys know Todd, he's in the mortgage world, high trust sales. And, um, he talked about, you know, effectively like asking that one, finding that one question, right. That is where you, where you really get down to their, their desire, Chris, bouncing this, bouncing this conversation to you strategically, what are you thinking about? What are you doing? What are you looking on, on the buy side of this business now? So on the buy side, I'm, I tell more stories than anyone would want to hear. And so I have this down to a first, I believe in home ownership so much that my clients will tell me, Chris, you're like a coach. You're not even a realtor. And I'm like, I take that as a high compliment. I'm stoked when they say that. But when I have buyer consultations anymore, like I had one four days ago with Naomi and they asked me, is this a good time to buy? And I take them back to, I just tell stories. I say, Hey, let's just think this through. Like here's the pros, here's the con. I won't sell anybody on anything. I've seen the market go down. I don't want to be that dude who sells stuff and told them that the market would never go down. So I, I say, Hey, um, let's go back to like, Oh, ish. Right. Like I had so many people calling me to short sell their house. They bought it here. It's worth this. Right. And then they bailed out. They rented for seven you know, years or six years, five years. When they came back, they couldn't even buy back into their own neighborhood because they actually got outpriced in their neighborhood coming back into the game. 
So it just kind of lets them know that like, even if the market tanks, like the data showed that if people just stuck around long enough, that equity came back into their house, right? So I tell that story, the negative first, like if it goes down, it usually comes back up. I've never seen it happen any differently. Also easy for me to say, hey, like actually the profits that I make in my company right now, I buy real estate. Like I actually buy real estate with the profits that I'm making off this company. Therefore, that's how much I believe in homeownership. So as you sit here and you think, ah, oh, man, do I really want to spend my 50 G's on this down payment to buy a house? I'm letting you know, I have one closing next week, an investment property in another state. I'm putting down $83,000. I worked hard for that for my wife and I, I worked really hard. And she thinks, Chris, go do smart things with that money. And I still parked it in real estate right now. So I still believe in, hey, is the market going to go down 10%? Don't know. Is the market going to go up 40%? Don't know. But I believe that my long-term goal is to own this property for a long time. And I'm going to bet on that. I also flip them to, I have a lot of rental properties and I'm raising the rents at a rapid rate right now. I'm a capitalist with a heart, but I'm also a capitalist. So I'm raising rent. So I let them know like, hey, that person who bought in 05 and rented, the, the person who rented my property in 06 and surprise paid 750 and they now pay me 2100. So this is a math equation wrapped around, it's a math equation wrapped around a house that we raise a family in usually. And so I want you to understand that it's math equation and home. And your goal is to wake up around 65-ish and get rid of one of your biggest expenses that you have. And so starting sooner than later is actually going to be a compounding effect. So you can get lost in the weeds on whether the market's going to go down 20, 30, $40,000. I just lock stuff in and say, I need it to compound over time. I think you should do the same thing. And I don't get lost in up and downs. I get lost in, this is rents here. It's going higher and that unpredictability. I'd rather lock in an interest rate that you think's high now, but you have nothing to base that on. And let's give the six years and you tell me you might be wrong. I don't know. I, um, what I'm hearing a lot of guys, and maybe we, maybe we do need to do a round two of this sooner rather than later. But what I'm hearing a lot of is this, it's the same thing that we talked about on the listing side for the first part of this podcast, which is getting, having our conversation rooted in facts and not the story that that's going on out there. Um, as we start to wrap up, uh, got about five minutes left, guys, what I would love for you both to do, if you're willing to, is share with me the one I want you to put on your real estate agent hat, not about how you're talking to your client, but how are you strategically, what's a tool, a trick or something that you're going to use to help you get more buyers on your contract. So let's presume you are doing a great job at, at, uh, pre-qualifying your buyers pre-qualifying your buyers. You both are, I already know that for a fact because I know you. Um, and so when I talk about you've got a ready, willing and an able buyer, but it's not be because of interest rates and because of whatever else other circumstances are going on, uh, maybe coming from another country, like what are some, what's a trick of the trade or what's a strategy you're going to use to help get more people under contract than you would have in say in the next 90 days? Mine is, um, if we can get this appraisal waiver thing gone, <laughs> mine was for years, I'd say, and I think this is going to be important. If we can just get that one out of this, this is what we're doing right now. I just did it a few days ago. Um, is because the seller still wants, they want, they want what they want and the buyer wants it lower because they're hearing their side of the story. So without, a, without waiving the appraisal contingency, it was very common for me to say, you know, in this situation, if we can't negotiate the price where we want to get it to, we can let them win that war as long as we can leave that contingency. And now I let my clients know that there's some risk to that with your appraisal money and inspection money and things like that. But it was a tactic that we used for a long time. Of, hey, let them win now in two weeks when the appraisal comes in lower, we'll settle it then. 
And most of the time it got settled at that point. So it's kind of just that trick where it's, hey, let the seller win today, but you're going to get it for lower then. And then it got to a point where, you know, it, it got a deal done because I found that sometimes the buyers are saying, hey, I want it for this price. Seller wants it for this price. And even though the buyer will say, hey, well, I know they're going to lower the price to that. I'm like, yeah, they're going to lower the price to that, but maybe not today and not with you. Therefore, this might be a better strategy to use. But that's kind of my opinion on getting more buyers under contract. It's because as of right now, as the story changes, sellers are still going to want this price. And right. I think if we can just get that appraisal waiver contingency out, we can then settle it in a few weeks later. But I think you need to be very transparent with your clients if that's your technique, because they do have inspection money and appraisal money on the line. So if you think that's going to be a problem that you're going to go in and negotiate, they need to be willing and accepting of you know the thousand or fifteen hundred dollars they're going to spend on that strategy. Yeah, they got to know what they're signing up for. Dave Z, what about you? Yeah, it's it's very similar to Chris, but what I what's worked well for me and I want to keep doing is, you know, when I'm meeting with buyers, um, I'll tell them we're going to, we're going to offer in like, kind of like a bookend from here to here. So like, I got my hands up on my, you know, my shoulders, like here to here. And they're always like, well, how the heck do we do that? And then, you know, I like the prices, right. Analogy. I'm like, you ever seen the TV show prices, right? Only like two people have said no, but so most people have seen it. <laughs> I'm like, the person that gets on stage is the one that typically goes last. And after they see all of the prices, they go 1501. And they're like, correct answer is 1595. And so, you know, you win it by a dollar. I'm like, so let's take that same approach. So we've been using unlimited escalation clauses for a long time now where, uh, gosh, my last two, three nice sized homes in the last 30 days, like we're talking 700 and up, we've come in. 10 or 15 grand low and that we would beat anybody else by 10,000. So I'm offering like both ends of the spectrum. I see you're listed at 795. Fact is referral you sent me, man. Sent me, I think Fred sent me somebody from I a mutual friend of ours, uh, yeah. right? So we came in and offered, I think 20 below at 795, but we said, we'll beat you by 10,000. And they countered back to 10 below because they didn't get any other offers. So we actually got that home 10 G's under list price, but I'm offering them what they want. They just have to like give us the answer. Like the price is right, yeah, but, but they couldn't produce it. They have to produce like we're letting reality show up as opposed to you just coming in going, Hey, 795 plus, you know, five grand plus, or 10. Plus, plus, plus. We're yeah. like, we think you're a little hot on the price. We think you're a little hot, a little high. And so this is where we want to be, but we're also, we also understand there's knuckleheads in the market that are going crazy but it worked really well. We, we waived the appraisal, but uh, we can still come back and, and, and change that. The appraisal comes in low, right? So sure. just because we're doing that, I had to do that yesterday. I had, to, I had to negotiate one of my listings yesterday where they're like, man, we took this as is. They said in the contract as is, and now they're asking for five grand of closing costs. I'm like, it's just a money grab. I'm like, you could say no, right? But it's, it's they're using the Binzer to just say, hey, yeah, we do like it, but oh, we found a couple of things. So, you know, we came back and said, no, we'll give you a little bit. But there, there's still, so Chris is right with that approach. Like, let it settle up later, but don't come in high if you don't need to. Just that. So I like that bookend approach that yeah. um, it's really hard to, to not get a call back. And I have one thing I'll tell you that's also helped me is I am a person that just helps people go to the next step. Just let's just do this. Like, this is easy. Now it's easy from here. 
And like, we will do a practice offer for all of our brand new buyers. I can't tell you how many times we can get them in escrow. And like, we, they're like, well, you just said we were going to write a practice offer. I'm like, yeah, now that we've met them, like, go, go meet and go look at a home with our showing partner, go see what that feels like. And then here's what we're going to do. We're going to write an offer from that day. Pick your favorite home. Let's just practice. That way, when we get to your dream home, we're not, we're not nervous about the paperwork. And then all of a sudden I'm calling them like, guys, we wrote that offer at 550, but they'll take you at 605 on the escalations. Yours at 605, right? And you'll get people in escrow, right? Like you buy expensive jewelry when they put it on your wrist, right? You walk in, they're like, try this Rolex on. You might buy it, right? You go into a, a store and they're like, here, you can take this home today. So make it my advice there to anybody, make it easy for your buyers to, to write offers take them out. Like, let's go see houses. Now let's do a practice offer. And I want to show you how this works. I want to show you how you're going to get a call back. And, and now I think they're going to be more ready. Now, these people, the last one we did, they're like, no, we're, we're, we're really not ready until September now, but it really got clarity on our end and their end that they're really not ready. So let's stop looking at houses then until September. Dude, that's, <laughs> that's really good. I was hoping you'd share the practice offer uh, tip. Um, all right, guys, we are, we are running out of time. We went a little bit longer. Maybe we can do, uh, like I said, maybe a part two soon, but, uh, Dave Z, uh, Chris, thanks so much guys for joining me today. I appreciate it. We'll make sure, um, we put all the, the notes, show notes out there and so where's people can uh, follow you, uh, or catch up with you at any last, uh, last parting shots that either one of you want to share before we sign off. Just be excited. Shifting markets can be so unsettling, but yet so exciting. And I think it's if you just wake up in the day with that little unsettled feeling, it keeps you hungry. And uh, that house of cards feeling sometimes can keep you like hungry and, 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 and growing. And I think it's important. So I just want agents to know that don't be worried about a shifting market. Just prepare for it and learn how to get through it with skill. Absolutely. Uh there's, what's that quote? The, in the midst of chaos, there there is opportunity. And I think that's what we're talking about right now. Dave, sure. sorry, I'm going to cut you off. No, that's it. I, I know looking at 08, I got into resale not knowing what was going on. I poured money into the market space that was exiting, right? I found my pay-per-click to be pretty cheap because there was re retraction. So I'm I'm putting more money down in this market to grow my business than than the previous ones. So Either if you got money, spend it. If you got time, go go spend it in open houses and door knocking and whatever. But it's these there's going to be great opportunities in this market. Right on, fellas. I appreciate you both. Thanks a ton, Chris Bowers, Dave Zajinski. Uh, these are two of the best. So if you're not following them and checking out what they're doing, check them out. And Chris, real quick, let, one last plug. What's the name of the pot? Your new podcast? It's it's the Agent Excel podcast. The Thanks Agent for inspiring me to do it. Agent Excel. A, the agent Excel podcast, check that out. Uh, Chris does a great job when he's on the other side of the hot seat in interviewing people. And, um, so want to make sure to share that. All right, fellas. Uh, All right. See you both very soon. Bye. All right. See you guys. Bye guys. Did you enjoy today's podcast? Join the Kevin and Fred community, part of EXP Realty and partner with us today. You'll get free access to live trainings two or more times a month, live events and in-person masterminds digital downloads to help you run and scale your business, and much, much more. To learn more and join our community, visit kevinandfred.com slash contact and contact us today.
Not ready to join our community? No problem. Continue enjoying all this great content on our podcast for free.